Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Break the Cycle. So, if you guys have noticed, I've been dedicating the last two recent episodes of Break the Cycle to themes that have to do with February. And the first two episodes were about love, right? Because February is the month of love. So self-love and also just love overall. But February is also Black History Month. So since Valentine's Day is over, but February is still here and it is still Black History Month, the next two episodes are going to be talking about blackness. And blackness on a global scale, right? So with that being said, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Afro-Latinidad, which is a kind of blackness that has had a resurgence in the Latin American community recently due to the fact that a lot of Latinos or Latinx are beginning to kind of A, acknowledge their blackness, B, learn about their blackness, about their roots, about their history, about where their families come from, and also embrace their blackness, embrace qualities such as their natural hair or their skin tone, and kind of be proud of it, right? And this new movement has really expanded and spread faster than a lot of people I think expected at least um in my opinion the reason why is because even though we've always had this um these African roots and a lot of us from Latin America come from um African slaves like like before in the diaspora before um slavery even touched North America, it had to pass through Latin America, and more specifically, the Caribbean, um, and even some of South America and Central America. So, blackness means a lot to Latin American history, and I think that's something that people are learning more and more about and kind of educating each other about, and it's had a great impact on the Latinidad identity. In fact, according to the Pew Research Center, about a quarter of Latinos, Latinx, identify as Afro-Latinos or Afro-Latinas or Afro-Latinx. And that's a big deal. But what is Afro-Latinidad? What does it mean to be an Afro-Latina or Afro-Latino or Afro-Latinx? And... It's a question that I've had people ask me. It's a question that I've had to answer for African Americans and white Americans and white Hispanics. And it's a question that you hear a lot in the media these days. I mean, Charlemagne caught a lot of heat for asking Amara La Negra what is what does it mean to be an Afro-Latina in the Breakfast Club? And she has to kind of defend her identity. So, before I speak about what it means for me to be an Afro-Latina and an Afro-Dominican and my experience before this became trendy, I was like, let me Google it. Let me see what is the known definition of Afro-Latinidad. And the only real answer that... I got when I looked it up was, believe it or not, from Wikipedia, which isn't the most reliable source, according to our professors. Um, So, according to Wikipedia, Afro-Latinidad is a collective cultural identity of Latinos and Latinas of full or partial African descent. There are an estimated 200 million African descendants 
in 19 Latin American countries, 200 million. And Afro-Latinidad celebrates the cultural similarities among many African Latinos in Latin America. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, especially Hispanics or Latinos, whether they identify as Afro-Latinos or not, or whether they even understand the history of blackness in their country, what a lot of people don't realize is that that big umbrella that is Latino culture in which multiple countries and their own national cultures live in, and under that big umbrella, it's all influenced by black culture, by African culture, from our music, from samba to salsa to bachata to merengue to the cumba to even the champeta, which is a Afro-Colombian dance that Shakira did in the Super Bowl. And this kind of music and these kind of dances, they're greatly influenced and they derive from our African ancestors, from our Afro-Latino ancestors who historically have been marginalized and their socioeconomic status has always tend to be lower than even the middle class. So we're talking about peasants, we're talking about people that, farmers, people that had to do agriculture, people that were illiterate and didn't have resources or access to education for decades, for centuries. Those are the people we come from. And for a long time, it was... It was something to be ashamed of. It was like, it was something that you, you were shamed upon. You weren't supposed to fall in love with somebody blacker than you or darker than you. You were supposed to lighten the race, whiten the race, because whiteness meant you were probably more likely to be successful and be wealthier and just look good in society. So we've always been embarrassed or ashamed of our own past, of our own history, of our own ancestors for a long time. That has been the narrative in a lot of Latin America and me being from Dominican Republic I've seen it in my own country so for me personally my journey of discovering my Afro-Latinidad I've been an Afro-Latina since since the day I came to this earth because I'm black like phenotypically I'm black if, if you look at the cover of this of my logo of this podcast it's a black woman it's a black latina woman um however and people always look at me like what when i say this i didn't know i was black like i didn't understand that i was black and this is before the term afro-latina existed so i couldn't even have something to identify with but i didn't know i was afro-latina or black until i really didn't get it until college like and let me walk you down to that journey. And everybody, everybody's journey is different. Like there's some people that are black and come and all they speak is Spanish and they will look you straight in the eye and they will say with all their heart and, and, and they're not lying. Like they don't think they're lying, but they're also not right. But they'll look you right in the eye and say like, I am a European descent. And they'll like show you that one family member that's a little tan and a little white and tell you like, like, look, this is who I come from, you know? Even if their grandma looks like Frederick Douglass or Harriet Tubman, they will look you straight in your face and tell you they're not black, right? 
And I never used to go that hard. But when people would sit down and be like, Darlene, you're black. Darlene, Dominicans are black. Me, as somebody that's always like Dominican history, but didn't really know all of the history, I was like, what are you talking about? No, we're not. We're just Dominican. Like, like it's not black and white. Because the racial narratives that exist in the United States aren't as definitive outside of the United States. Like, there is no black or white. There is no... There were no Jim Crow laws, at least not the kind that it was like, well, even if you were one-eighth black, you were black. No, there was something called miscegenation where in countries like the Dominican Republic and like Cuba, the lighter you were, the higher your social class. It wasn't just black or white. It was mestizo and mulatto, and there was just ways to kind of whiten your blackness. And the more you whiten your blackness and the more your, um, your family tree got whitened, so you went from a mulatto to a mestizo you know the the better you did economically the better you did in terms of social class um the more respected you were etc 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 so coming from that kind of history you're not meant to know about your blackness and you're definitely not meant to embrace it and I didn't know all this. I didn't know all this until I read about this, until I, I was taught all this, until I took a Latin American history course, until I had these conversations with people, and until I really had to figure out like what black meant for me. Because in my journey of exploring my blackness, it was multi-layered, right? Like me coming to this country at four years old and being exposed to so many cultures, and one of the predominant cultures and where I live and where I came when I came here which is the Bronx was black culture but it was black American culture it was hip-hop it was Biggie and it was Nas and Wu-Tang Clang and movies like Paid in Full and Boys in the Hood and Juice and I just felt like I didn't fit into that culture. I didn't understand that culture. I didn't know who these people that they were talking about were. I didn't grow up listening to this music or participating in in that culture. So for me, when people would say, you're black, I'm like, no, I'm not. Because my idea of black was black American. But I understood that those movies and those events and those that music and just that culture overall was was black culture was black american culture and i understood the history of black american culture and trying to embrace your blackness in america i i always respect that and i always understood um the journey of that but i didn't see myself in that narrative and i didn't want to force myself in that narrative because i felt like I didn't, my family didn't get to experience the same oppression as black Americans. They've experienced oppression, but as immigrants. Um, But when you're a black American, when your ancestors literally helped build this nation where your great grandma was a slave in the same country, where your grandma may have um, experienced Jim Crow laws in a way where it was more personal than just reading about it in school that's a different kind of feeling and a different kind of viewpoint that I felt like I couldn't identify with because that wasn't my narrative so for me when people would say well you're black I felt like one I'm not because that's not my history and that's not my narrative and two how disrespectful of me to to try to put myself where I don't fit you know 
And then on the flip side, I also felt like it diminished my Dominican identity. And I don't feel like this now. But because now my my idea of what it means to be a Dominican has expanded, you know? And that comes with age and maturity. But at the time, it felt like I had to choose. It felt like somebody was telling me, well, you're, the, you're either black or Latino or Latina. You can't, but you can't be both. And if you're Dominican, you're just black. But for me, it was like, well, to be a, like the experience of a Dominican immigrant is not the same experience as an African-American. So I couldn't wrap my head around it, you know. And it wasn't until I really took time to reflect and learn my own history. I was just tired of people telling me about who I was and who my country and what my country was and, and who we were as a community. Like me personally, I just got tired of it. Because it was people that don't know the history of Dominican Republic, that didn't do any research, that to them it was just some island in the Caribbean telling me, no, Dominicans are black. That didn't even know our history of blackness and just said Dominicans hate black people, but they're black. And on the and vice versa, it would be Dominicans that had no idea of their history, no idea of blackness in DR, that refused to acknowledge their African roots or how African people have contributed to the development of the Dominican identity. These were the people trying to tell me who I was and where I come from. And I felt like enough is enough. I'm going to find out where I come from. I'm going to find out the real history. I'm going to try to be as unbiased and as open-minded as possible. And what I learned was that one, blackness is a global thing. And everybody experiences blackness differently. Um, but I also learned that I always knew I was Afro-Latina and whether I wanted to accept my blackness or not, my blackness was something that I was always aware of and was always made aware of. And that whether I liked it or not, there was a inherent racism that existed in not only Dominican in my country, but overall with latinos and hispanic people like i started looking at the novelas i've been looking for all my life and realized that none of in none of those novelas none of the protagonists or even like the the supporting actors none of them look like me the only person that looked remotely similar to me maybe more indigenous than black even was always the housekeeper and the only time they had one basically light-skinned black person was when there was it was like a slave novella about like the slave falling in love with the master or something kind of glamorizing the whole history of slavery and of rape rape that a lot of these colonists forced on us as a people and i just started to consume media differently i started to be very observant of the news i watched and the novelas i watched and the kind of rhetoric i was hearing whether it was in the media whether it was in my community whether it was from my own family and then i started looking back in my memories and, and really reflecting on them on in an in an objective way like i really had to hold myself accountable for my own anti-blackness thoughts and anti-black actions like I remember when I was little I hated my skin color I hated it like I hated it so much and 
you know, I know we live in a day and age where you can get canceled so quickly for saying something like this and people could call you racist in a heartbeat for saying or like just mix your whole narrative. But this is just my truth. I hated being black. Like I hated being black skinned. And the reason why is because I felt ugly. I felt like I wasn't as pretty as my lighter cousins and I felt like I had to work three times as hard to be either popular or just liked by a boy or or just to feel like I'm pretty you know and that's because again you have to observe the environment that's because I lived in a time where one Afro-Latinidad and this whole Afro-Latinidad movement and natural hair movement didn't exist so there were no positive images or positive reinforcements about your blackness in fact I lived in a time where the prettiest growing class was the whitest growing class with the best straight hair I lived in a time where people would say the straight hair looked better than the pajon, than the crazy hair. If I came out in curls, which I used to um, when I was little, people would be like, yo, brush your hair. And the curls were only cute if they were kind of flat. Like, now everybody likes volume and for the curls to go wild. But that, you used to look like a crazy person. Or people would used to say that you look like a crazy person back then. And I'm not talking about, I'm 22. So I'm obviously not talking about back then 30, 40 years ago. I'm talking about, like... A decade ago um so for me I didn't feel like like my blackness was something to be a proud of if anything I literally used to wish I could like just be lighter and I used to fantasize about it like I, I remember I don't I think I was like five years old and um I was in my building and my first building I used to live in Sedgwick Avenue in Kingsbridge and my building had black and white tiles and I was a very like imaginative little girl like I really believed in magic and I really believed in like wishing upon stars and stuff and I remember one day I was like maybe if I step on a white tile every day because I was very ritualistic maybe if I step on a white tile every day I would, like, my skin will get lighter and lighter and lighter. And I just won't touch anything black. I literally remember thinking this. Like, this was little kid logic. And that was something that for a while I was so embarrassed to tell people because it was just so racist of me to myself. But it also shows how deep that self-hate was. Like, when I tell you I was stepping only on white tiles... Like, I would be tight if even, like, my pinky toe in my shoe touched a black tile. That's how much I hated it. I used to think my sister and my mom, who are a lot lighter than me, they're, like, more tannish. I was like, oh, my God, why can't I have been born my sister's color? Why do I have to look like my dad? And even my dad himself, you know, like, we look exactly alike. So, color and everything. And, our, and, fe- and facial features and everything. And I remember he used to always just be like... Oh, I know I'm not, I know I'm ugly, but at least I'm smart. You know, I, I know I'm ugly. I know, I know no woman would ever like me because I'm ugly. Your mom didn't, didn't date me because I was cute. It's because I was smart. I'm ugly. And I remember I used to be like, dad, why do you keep saying you're ugly? And he was like, because I'm black. Like, look at me. You're so prieto. You know, and, and prieto is like a derogatory way of saying black. And I would hear him tell me like, 
don't bring no little black boys here. Don't you better never fall for a black boy. I remember my aunt who's just a little bit lighter than um my dad and I, but still black. She'd be like, Ew, ew, I can't stand black men. I cannot date a black man. I remember my dad being proud of the fact that his aunt was racist and hated black people. Like just hated anybody that was black, period. No matter what their nationality was. And I remember he would be proud of like the only black person she likes is me. Like, bro, what? You know, so I, and, and that was something that was common. Like, there might be some people listening thinking like, well, this was a very toxic household. But no, like, in our community, that was common. Like, those those kind of comments and people telling you, keep your hair straight. Like, stop, stop curling it. And people complimenting you in the wintertime, but then in the summertime telling you to stay away from the sun or you've been getting too much sun. That was so common to me that it was just my, it was the truth, you know? When you're in an environment where everybody's telling you one narrative and that's the narrative everybody agrees with, you just assume that's the truth. Because truth itself can be a very constructive thing. Um, So growing up, I wasn't, I wasn't taught and I wasn't influenced to to embrace my blackness, even if I knew it existed. And even though I knew that whether I wanted to identify as a black Dominican or not, I was treated as a black Dominican, just like most black Dominicans are, whether they acknowledge their blackness or not. And the reason I'm telling you guys my story of how I learned to embrace my Afro-Latinidad is because I think... A lot of people believe that this whole Afro-Latinidad movement is bullshit. Like, I really think they believe, like, oh, this is made up. This is some new trend. This is another way for Latinos and Latinas, whether they're from Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or from Cuba, to kind of deny their blackness by just half embracing it and calling themselves Afro-Latinos. Like, I've I've heard it all from both sides of the spectrum. Um... But no, I think this is a movement. I think this is a celebration. I think this is a renaissance. I think this is a revolution. I think this is this is beautiful. Um the 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 fact that now companies are being aware of their lack of diversity and lack of representation. Um the fact that now when you turn on Telemundo and you turn on Univision Maybe it's still majority white people, white Hispanics and white Spanish people that don't really represent the working class Latinos or Latinas, but you you do see some Afro-Latinidad being represented. You, you do see Afro-Latinos and Afro-Latinas with curly hair and braids being casted in these shows and these medias that they never would have been casted in literally a decade ago. And... You see everybody just celebrating natural hair. Now, like I said, this is a beautiful movement. And I think it's just beginning to grow. I think this is going to be the new norm very, very soon. It's already starting to feel like it is. However, I also I also believe that the Afro-Latinidad movement does pose some risks. And the reason I say that is because there is this risk of culturally appropriating without really embracing or participating in the experiences that aren't as glamorous that are more oppressive that 
phenotypical black Americans and black Latinos experience. So what I mean by that is I see a lot of with this resurgence of Afro-Latinidad and just blackness being celebrated globally, I see a lot of people engaging in black global culture, whether it's participating in dances that have African roots, whether it's wearing dashikis, whether it's just completely going natural and um, embracing their natural hair and, and natural features. That's, that's becoming a new beauty standard, which is great. But I also see people that when there's injustices happening against black Americans, against black indigenous immigrants trying to cross the better the border for a better life but are being detained in these concentration camps when a lot of these countries that are predominantly black Hispanics and black Latinos, Latinas, Latinx, when these countries are being exploited and when the majority of the black people that live there are facing social and economic inequity and have no access to any kind of economic mobility at all or have a lack of representation in their government and in their politics and in the people that make these decisions. I think a part of being Afro-Latinidad, yes, it's embracing it and celebrating it, but it's also caring about black people that may not live in your country or may not be from your country or may not be from your region or from your culture but that shared blackness that we have and the oppression that we've had to overcome for centuries since 1492 i think that's what connects us all and i think i don't think you get to pick and choose I don't think you get to pick and choose to be black or embrace your blackness when when it looks good and when it makes you feel good and when it keeps you up with the trends but not when but you don't choose to defend or speak out or advocate for your fellow black and brown sisters and brothers across the globe and I think that that's important to mention because I I really do believe that there can be solidarity between the majority oppressed minority groups in this world. I really, really, really believe that. I just don't believe that in my lifetime, I'm going to see that. And most of the people listening right now are going to see that. And that's not being pessimistic. It's just when you're dismantling a, a, a system that's centuries old, a system like global racism. It, it, if it took centuries to build it, it's going to take at least a few decades and maybe a century or so to dismantle it. And I think we're very, very, very far ahead in the movement. And I do think that solidarity is possible between black and oppressed people around the globe and this is not a new concept this is something that the black panthers believed in the young lords believed in they shared this vision of solidarity between and within the communities that derive from african descent and i think it's possible i think it's possible that all these communities can come together and work together and celebrate each other and respect and uplift each other I think it's possible, but I think the first step is really investing ourselves 
in the same problems and in the same injustices that they face, whether we face them in the same way or whether we face them differently. And to and I think solidarity really means support. It really means advocacy. And that's not hard. It's not hard to do. In fact, it's as easy as putting on Afro beats and listening to Kid and coffee and wearing a dashiki and going to Jamaica and getting your braids done and going on this natural hair journey and celebrating this blackness. It's as easy as that because you're celebrating not only the beautiful things about that culture, about that those roots that we all share, but you're also sharing the struggle. There is no celebration of, of African culture and African descendancy without embracing the struggle. And I don't imagine a way where you can celebrate these struggles and still not acknowledge the ones that still exist. And that's going to take a lot of real inner reflection and external reflection on the society that we live in and how we can also participate in our own anti-blackness even while identi- while simultaneously identifying as Afro-Latinx and embracing all the features that make us Afro-Latinx and I think that's something that for me it was important to talk about in this episode because and in this month because it's Black History Month and I think a lot of black latinos just think well that has nothing to do with me and that's not true and black history is a global phenomenon black history is toussaint who was responsible for the first black revolution in the world who freed thousands of slaves black history is nelson mandela in south africa black history is mama tingo in dominican republic advocating for campesinos and for afro descendants who were getting paid shit and were getting treated like shit just like black history is also malcolm x and it's also harriet tubman and it's also frederick douglas it's douglas it's all of these icons it's all of these heroes and it's that struggle that they all share no matter where they were in the globe no matter what language they spoke no matter what society they participated in that's celebrating black history that's celebrating being an african descendant it's it's embracing our features and and what still makes us authentic and what still has survived all these centuries of colonization and assimilation and westernization that's what connects us all and i just felt like there was no better and more appropriate time to talk about it than A month like this month, Black History Month, in a time like this time where blackness and the idea of blackness continues to expand and the people that continue to embrace blackness also, that those numbers continue to increase. In a month where Dominicans are celebrating their independence, which is beautiful in a country that's about 70 to 80 percent African like African descendants it's 70 to 80 percent black whether they look like it or not and it's a country that without the first black revolution wouldn't exist 
Without the Haitian Revolution, Dominican Republic would 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 not exist. It it derived from from a black struggle. It's a hybrid of of colonization, but also that black struggle to maintain who we are. And I just felt like there was no better time to begin that conversation. And next week, we're going to continue that conversation by talking about the Dominican and Haitian conflict. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Break the Cycle.